Welcome to Boiling Point, the podcast to motivate ever-evolving entrepreneurs and forward-thinking movement pioneers. Our hosts, filmmaker Greg Hemmings and executive coach Dave Vale, are turning up the heat in the world's business communities. Our interviews with entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and movement makers are raising the temperature of inspiration. Live from the hottest studio in this quadrant of the universe, here are Dave and Greg. Dave, we're back, and I haven't seen you in person. It's been a while. Well, I, that's I, actually not true. I came, I came to your house, uh, your new beautiful house on oh, the, yeah, the Canada right. River. Yes. I, I had no idea you were a multimillionaire to be able to afford a place like that. It's just we live in the Maritimes, you know? <laughs> and actually, our guests can talk about what it costs to live on the other coast on the water, that's right? That's right. We've got the East Coast, and then you've got what, what many call the best coast, but it's also the, the most expensive coast, Yes, which yes, is yes. Vancouver. Yeah. And I'm very excited to bring in uh, a, a new friend, a friend that I met at, at the B Corp Champions Retreat in Portland, uh, Aaron Vitus, who is another uh, fellow Canadian B Corp. Are you hey. surprised, Dave? No, <laughs> but it's very cool. So welcome, Aaron. And I just want to uh, to let you know, Aaron, that poor Dave, he has been uh, absorbed into the world of the B Corp worldview because every single person I try to bring in is from the B Corp movement. And, uh, uh, you know, I'm still trying to put pressure on him to get vision uh, coaching. No, but, and as a result, I got to tell you, like, we're coming out of the holidays. I mean, I spoke uh, at length with people about B Corp. And uh, I feel like I'm, I'm like, yeah, I, sh- I should get my company properly certified. We can talk about that later. But uh, I, I love it. I think it's a fabulous movement. And uh, I'm looking forward to hearing a little more about Aaron. So, uh, Aaron, so- welcome, man. Thank you very much for having me, guys. Fantastic. Now, Aaron, why, okay, we've got a, a fantastic bio in front of both Dave and I mm-hmm. about what Strategy Box is. Um, and, and by the mm-hmm. way, before before we get going, we I must mention that we are as probably the most uh, ready for an interview we've ever been, given the information we have in front of us. Oh, yeah, that's fantastic. <laughs> so so we, we can go in so many directions. It's like now now we're all screwed up, to be honest with you. Oh, yeah. Like, we want a jam session. So listen, we're going to pass it over to you. Eric, give, sure. us a, give us a quick intro, man. Sure. So a strategy box helps companies find their most profitable customers. And it was really born out of my need as originally like a marketing manager and then a salesperson to figure out like who is the customer that I should be going after and spending my time with and who should I care less about. And what I've done over the past few years is develop tools that help com- help business-to-business companies find those that are most profitable customers. So really it's all about, um, it's just about like, oh, who, who do you provide the most value for? Who do you like working with the most? Who do you make the most money off of? And that's even in a social enterprise context because right. it helps you do more of what you do. Right. Um, and make it really simple and easy for people because I think we make business, we make the running of a business a little too hard and complex sometimes. And I want to like reduce that. So, so and. Oh, sorry. I was, I was just going to jump right in there because you're talking to two business owners, and we would be B two B, but you know, so we're, we're actually would be your clients. Um, yeah. And and I would just you know you, you said something really interesting there, which is like let's take the complexity out of this. So so maybe you could tell us a little bit about that because that's going to be uh, uh, I think a hot topic for any entrepreneur listening to this because um, there's so much we run into that that just becomes very complex. So how do you how do you keep it simple? Well. I, I subscribe to the Pareto principle. So you guys have probably heard it. It's like 80% of your results comes from 20% of your actions. Yeah, yeah. And with 
interesting is now, especially when you move into an online world, that becomes even more extreme. So like a couple of your actions account for 90 or 95% of your results. And so what it, what I look at or how I approach a problem is I look at, okay, what, what's everything that's going on? So a client, for instance, uh, that I'm dealing with right now, uh, there's four different ways that their business could go. And they have, four, they have two different products and two different audiences. Uh, and they're very, very different and would be serviced very differently and would be marketed to very differently. And I'm helping my client figure out like, okay, well, should we go with A or B? And what it ultimately came down to is I said, financially, we kind of looked at both and they both kind of return about the same. And then I just said to the entrepreneur's very experienced guy, I just said, well, what gets you excited to work who to work with? Like, because, yeah, it's money's money, but, like, who would you enjoy working with on a day-to-day basis? This type client A or client B, the type of client? And he's like, well, client A, because I, I like I, I just, I like their business more. I find it more interesting. I said, okay, just go do that. And I think that that gets lost a lot of the time is that, like, we make – there's a lot of shoulds in business. Oh, like, I should be doing this. I should be doing that. It's like, well, no, what makes you feel good and what makes you, what makes you grow and provide results? Oh, okay, you st- just stick with that. Don't make it more than it needs to be. And that's often what I, the first thing that I do with clients is like, your business just solves a problem for somebody else. That's it. It might, even if you sell luxury goods to, you know, to rich people in Portofino, Italy, you, you provide them pleasure. Oh, okay. It makes me feel good. It makes me look good. That's why I'm going to buy. Oh, you solved their problem for them. You sell web services and web development. Same deal. It's like, oh, I need a website so that I can facilitate transactions online. Okay. That's the problem I solved for you. And so I always try to, there's kind of just key questions that I try to ask people. It's like, what makes you feel good? And do you solve a valuable problem? And that's kind of a business. That's all a business needs to be. It doesn't need to be more than else. Yeah, I, I think this is so topical too, Aaron. Like we talk about this all the time. In fact, just this morning I was uh, doing a little keynote at a at a, a breakfast for entrepreneurs, and we talked about that very topic about hmm. making decisions um, to to go for business that are in line with our values and also with our vision. And um, mm-hmm. uh, for so for so many years, we would take uh, you know my company would take whatever work we possibly could get because we are working as far as a localized market. Uh, Atlanta, Canada is pretty limited as far as uh, uh, having cho- the luxury of choice in, in the market. Like what are the clients that can afford, you know, 20,000 plus uh, commercial videos, for example. It's, it's not, there's not a lot of those clients around. So you pretty much take the work that is available. Um, now, so uh, Somebody like me, before I decided to go to push out and become more of an exporter of uh, of, of this sort of thing, I would be not skeptical, but I would be nervous to say, no, I'm only going to take the clients that I want to work with. Um, I now see it in re- like it, it truly is the way to go. But what what would you do to coach me through getting past that 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 glass ceiling or the the worldview that? Would, would say, uh, I don't know if I've got the guts to actually pursue only the clients that I want to work with. Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you two stories. Uh, I think, or well, I would tell you two stories. So when they both come from, so I've built, just to give you a little background, like I've built 
three uh, management consulting companies the last five years from zero to over a million in revenue and kind of did that pretty much on my own, um, was always leading. And, and my very first company, I start, my very first consulting company, I started in my childhood bedroom after I was laid off from a tech company in Boston and I moved back to Vancouver and I was living in my parents' house and I was like, what am I going to do now? And so I did that. I, I was like, I think, I'm, I think I like this consulting thing and I seem to be good at it. And for eight, nine months, I just took anything that I could because I was trying to build my business. And so what I ended up doing, the positive was I did marketing plans. I did strategic planning. I did some coaching. Uh, and I kind of figured out in doing that, I did a lot of different things that some of which I liked, some of which I didn't really like. And I went back to all my clients after about eight months and I said, hey, what, what was really valuable to you? And they said, oh, well, this thing where we talked about narrowing down the customer segments because I was all over the map. And I said, oh, okay, that's cool. Um, what, else, what else value did you get? Well, I really liked how you simplified what I did. And like you, you made the complex really simple. I said, okay, that seems to be a strength of mine. And I hit upon this idea of, oh, I help companies find their most profitable customers. So I went very wide to try a bunch of different stuff. And then I took a step back and I reflected on, okay, well, what am I actually good at? And what do I actually enjoy? So that would be the first step that I would say to you is like, oh, okay, well, of course you just want to keep the lights on. You want to keep going. But what it allows, what you need to figure out is like, well, what, what am I actually, where am I actually providing value for people? What am I actually enjoying? Cause I'll go do more of that. And that will come easier to me and I'll have happier customers and happier clients which begets more growth. The second kind of experience that I had was I was like a year into that same business and I had a bunch of clients. I was like out on my own. I was, you know, I think I was making between eight and 10 grand a year or a month. And I was like, Oh, this is going really well. And like, this is working. And I had an assistant, I had a researcher and like I was rocking and rolling. And then I realized I had a client delay uh, for start of a project. And I also, two of my clients that I was working with, I, while they were paying me very well, I realized I wasn't, they weren't listening to me. So the counsel that I was giving them, the work I was, the research and uh, the research and the plans I was putting together for them, they weren't, they didn't really care. Um, they had hired me and it was just like, eh. And so I fired them. And what that did was, A, my income dropped by two-thirds. Uh, so I had kind of like six weeks to like make something happen. And I did, I went and presented at a conference and, and got a couple clients. But what was interesting is I quadrupled my rates and because I realized I wasn't attracting the right type of customer or the right type of client that was going to value what I was doing. So when I came back and was selling that quadruple the rate, I suddenly attracted a different quality of customer. And I was like, they appreciated what I did. They got it. And that began more, that kind of, I got more work out of that, that way. So that's, those are the two things that I would say to you is like, well, reflect on, okay, well, what am I good at? What do I enjoy? And then also like, am I providing the second thing is, am I providing value, value to the right person? So for you where it's like, Oh, Hey, I'm doing, I have, well, there's only so many, uh, video 20 K video projects in Atlantic Canada. It's like, well, maybe I don't just compete in Atlanta, Canada anymore. 
I compete now on all of these, you know, from Ontario, from Ontario East. Uh, and that opens me up to much different work that I can charge more for. Right. On. Um, yeah. So, and he, well, and Aaron, you talk about, I mean, this is a really, uh, and um, I mean, I, I have a coaching company, been around for, uh, I guess, a little over a decade. And I mm-hmm. talked to new coaches coming into the marketplace and the big challenge for a lot of people is, and you, and one of the things you just addressed is how do you price your, your product or your service properly? And, mm-hmm. and, and you're, and you're, and, and it's funny cause I find that and, and maybe more the helping professions, but they tend to, or people, you know, they're in creative, you know, pursuits like uh, filmmakers often mm-hmm. start by undervaluing their service. Right. And oh, for totally. what, and I don't, I don't, it's this really crazy thing. Right. And then, and then it's almost like through the, uh, and Greg's pointing out himself. <laughs> well, I, I need to pause. I have to pause for a second. Just for context, Aaron, Dave and I yeah. started our businesses around the same time, the same year, I yeah. think. Yes. And I met Dave at a bar, clearly. And um, at that time, he told me, he told me that he was an executive coach. And I never heard those words before. So he actually, <laughs> he started coaching me for a good year or two or maybe three. And uh, <coughs> it, that was it. My, the, the answer to all of the problems that I had was I was undervaluing myself. The output was mm-hmm. clearly making the, the clients very happy and they were very excited about the low price. But all the stress that came on me was because I didn't know how to price myself. So uh, so Dave mm-hmm. helped me work my way through that. Well, and then, and then another <laughs> thing is I find when, when we offer our services, you know, even if we go in and we offer them pro bono, and I think you were experiencing this with your two clients, is that for whatever reason – there's a lot of customers that don't value it in the same way, right? So, so anyways, oh, what, 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 totally. what, what's your perspective on? I'd love to hear kind of where you where you land on this because I mean, quadrupling your price and attracting the right clients is something everyone wants to have happen. Yeah, and I think what's interesting is I remember in that moment the the just can I can I swear? Uh, my, my definitely. All, all, all we have to do is put a little e in front of the podcast uh, thing. So okay. we're all good. It's time to e. Okay. It. Um, yeah, it was definitely oh shit for four weeks. Like it was just like, what am I doing? Oh god. Oh crap. Oh shit. And but what I also had was a plan. Yeah. So I knew that it was like, hey, wait a minute. I didn't fire them. I didn't fire them without knowing. Hey. I'm presenting at I'm presenting at two conferences and I'm like one of them like a fairly prominent speaker. I'm going to talk about my work. I'm go- I know there'll be a bunch of CEOs there. I like I knew half the crowd so I was able to to email them all and go, "Hey, like I'm going to be here. Like it'd be great to connect." And I got leads out of that. And I actually had a guy walk up to me after. Uh, his name's Rob Zafratti. He runs uh, a company called Novex, which is Canada's largest green career. And he said, let's have, you know, something to the effect of let's have lunch tomorrow. And he's like, and, and I had a proposal in, I think, within the next week and was doing work with them by the next week. So the interesting thing was it, it was first the mental getting over the mental like, oh, shit, mm-hmm. like, OK, I've got to make this happen. Mm-hmm. And there was a financial pressure there, obviously. Um, so that helped to motivate me. But. I think it was just getting over myself and being like, wait a minute, I am worth this. And these people are, these other people are wasting my time and I don't have a lot of time. So I, I look, I tell the, the I, I, I guess guide CEOs and boards, um, we'll call it that, uh, 
what's interesting is I say like your time is $10,000 an hour, period. You just have to look at it that way. And so many people, especially when they're starting their business, they go like, oh, well, I don't want to intrude. And I think it just comes from you don't really know what you're doing and that's okay. So if you accept that and you go, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm confident that I'm going to be able to solve this problem in front of me. You can go, yes, my time is worth $10,000 now. And I think that's the like mental, mental hump I had to get over. And once I was over that, I was like, okay, I'm good to go. The second piece is quite tactical, I feel. And it's really about, okay, a lot of people, let's say some of your listeners might charge hourly and they undervalue. So they say, oh, I'm, you know, my rate is $50 an hour. Well, first you have to ask yourself, why is it $50 an hour? And the second thing that I do, uh, I was actually just talking to a group last night about this, is I any consulting project that I do, I put together an hourly estimate. So it's literally every activity that I'm going to do for that client, and even down to sending them emails. And so I put all the activities down one side of a, a column in a spreadsheet, and then the next column over, I put how much time I think it's going to take. And so I know, oh, okay, this is going to take, this project is going to take 150 hours. And at my rate, okay, that's going to be around this. And there's some more numbers and you get more technical. uh, But what it allows you to do is say, what is my actual time commitment to this person? And am I willing to do this? And I kind of, I always stop myself and I go, am I really excited about this or am I not? Because if I'm not and I'm just taking it, because it's a job in front of me, I probably shouldn't be taking it because that's going to take up a ton of my time, both mentally and physically. We only have so many hours in the day. So it's having that courage to kind of step back and go like, okay, is this right? And well, and let me, okay, can ahead. I throw something to you, Greg? Yeah. Have you said, yeah. have you found yourself, and I mean like what Aaron's describing, have you, have you, did you ever have that moment where you said no to a client and, and went through that 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 holy shit thing that that Aaron's talking about, which and, and in turn mean, meant you said yes to something else. Have you ever had that experience? Uh, a couple of times, but it wasn't as heroic. <laughs> it wasn't as like <laughs> I'm not doing that bit of work for you because you don't know my value. Um, for me, it was more of uh, at the very last minute, I lost a project literally the day before we were supposed to go to don't camera. You love that? that was massive. Like this was huge. It was, in my opinion, it was a disrespectful move on the, the side of the client, and uh, Ooh, it really disrupted our our cash flow yeah. because we we're planning mm-hmm. on this. And oddly, the very day that that happened, the very day, we got our B Corp certification. It was just this way oh, everything this, lined this, up. This is a recent phenomenon. Yes, but I won't go into too much detail because <laughs> it doesn't take long to figure this out. So, um, but I, I felt very good about this. I was like. Okay, you know, this is a new chapter and it's a, uh, we are now, um, we're not anymore trying to get the scraps. This is our value. This is our worth. And this is why we're pushing our butts off into the U.S. because that's the market that wants us and that values us. The companies down there doing this type of work, they understand our rates. I mean, like it's, it's tough for us to do a project these days for less than 70K. Like that's kind of the, for a video company, you know, uh, you know, we're, we're, and we're not necessarily overcharging ourselves at all. We're just bringing the value to the client that the client's wanting to make. And we're talking to clients that now value us as the production partners, you know? So, and I, yeah. and I think you bring up, that's a really great point to bring up is that just because let's say somebody in your city doesn't value, like your immediate geography doesn't value what you do. That doesn't mean that somebody else somewhere else 
doesn't, and that, and we'll pay accordingly. Yeah. Because like I look at it and go, you know, kind of. I have one client in Vancouver. The rest are all, all the rest are all in the U.S. or in Asia, and like that's just the way. Like because I can't charge what I want, what I feel my commiserate value is for this local in Vancouver. And that's nothing against Vancouver. It's just what I found. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to go where I need to go. One question I wanted to ask you guys about was, um, how do you view free work or spec work? That's interesting. And Dave, you first and then, then me. It's uh, yeah. Gee, yeah, that is interesting because, um, I mean, you know, I know when initially to get the coaching business off the ground, we do, uh, I, I wanted to, you know, to, to actually give pro bono to, to demonstrate, right? I mean, that was the one way to, to win business and, and that seemed to work, but I kind of, we, we moved away from that as we got busier and as we got more, you know, kind of into the game, right? And quickly, that's one of the determinants if someone's willing to pay, but, um, I, you know, it's funny because we, we support nonprofits and we, we value nonprofit, but there's a, we also have a price tag, which is not the same as the corporate sector. Um, because mm-hmm. I, you know, on some level, I think people really appreciate that. And I think there's other ways. So in our, in our line of work, we don't do a lot of, uh, you know, like, uh, purely pro bono, uh, work. So, mm-hmm. and, and, and it's not to say that we wouldn't, but I just haven't run across a situation where, um, it's really valued in a way that, um, you know, means that, you know, and the person can re- literally not afford it. And, uh, mm-hmm. my response is, um, we don't do a lot of, uh, spec work per se. In fact, I, I can't remember the last time we did something for free to get the attention of a potential client, but what we do on a regular basis for free, which I'm really looking forward to stepping away from is, what I call the worm on the hook, which is pre-creative. So we're putting a lot of like hours of creative yeah. uh, design into a pitch proposal, uh, mm-hmm. unsolicited in many instances, but we will put our creative talents onto a page, let's say invest six or seven hours, uh, and we might mm-hmm. not get the gig. Um, the way we should do it, and Aaron, you're going to coach me right through this, I know it. The way, the way we should be doing it <laughs> is saying, yeah, we're uh, this is you. You already know the value of what we we bring. Uh, stage one is uh, developing creative. And it's not a lot of money, you know. Well, five thousand dollars, let's say, just for a one page uh, spec, mm-hmm. and then go from there. But we've we've not been able to come up to the place of confidence yet to put a price tag to our early creative, which is always what wins the project. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yes. Oh. Yes. Well- <laughs> oh, well, what I would find really interesting is I come from obviously like this world of, okay, figuring out, figuring out what do people value? How do you get, how do you get them? How do you get a customer's attention and keep it and then kind of get them in the fold? What would be interesting for me, this is totally off the top of my head, but was, okay, if you're spending six, seven hours putting together a proposal, you're spending that same amount of time on very useful very useful content or information for a potential client that might not even be related to what you do. So what I find really interesting is like, it's more about them. Like, it's like, what do they, what problems do they have? What pains do they have and how can you solve it for them? So it might be a guide to, um, a guide to contract negotiations with the creative agency. I don't know. Uh, or it could be a interesting, uh, interesting ways to spend a budget in 26, like an advertising budget in 2016. And what I find is a lot of B2B companies don't do that. They just think about like, well, well, I sell, um, I sell virtual optimization services for servers. 
Therefore, all the content I ever do is about that or all I ever talk to a person about that. It's like an IT manager could probably care less 90% of the time in the year. They might really care about like, how do they spend a budget really effectively? Uh, and that would be interesting is like, if you took in, a, you did something where you created some content or somewhere a landing page, for instance, that gave people a ton of value and it was more about, Oh, Hey, you can sign up. Like want to know more about how we can help you like sign up at the bottom. Uh, so it's almost like a lead form. And so instead of putting all that creative energy into a pitch that just is seen by one person, it's a pitch by seen seen by a hundred. Ah, uh, so so yeah, like you you uh, you can put that energy and just and expand who you you reach to you you reach out to. So Aaron, you know, unfortunately, we're and this and and the topic is I love this topic by the way because I just I, I think we need a part two on this uh, one. Yeah, too. <laughs> I think so. Like I'm hoping maybe we can do that. We can get you to stay in your your uh, kit's uh, home office and 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 by the way, Aaron's coming in from Vancouver. He's in Kitsilano right now, looking out at a dark ocean. But we got to wrap up here. But what I, for people that are interested in talking to you and learning more about you, how do they find you? Sure. So uh, I, you can reach me at strategybox.com. So www.strategybox, all one word. Uh, I have an ebook coming out on January 30th. That is how to find your most profitable customer if you're a B2B company. Cool. Uh, and I also have a calculator. So I work with uh, companies to help them figure out who is their most profitable customer, how much do they how much do they spend to acquire a customer, which is really important, and where can an entrepreneur spend their time to maximize their time on returning the most sales. Nice. Okay. That's awesome. I so, can't wait yeah. to check that yeah. out. That's so, good. and would you? Can we? Sure. Can I make a request that you uh, send us the ebook so we can post it or, or at least give people directions to it? Yes, of awesome. course. Okay, this is for Aaron. Thanks so much, man. I'm so glad we met in Portland. It was uh, no problem, and, and, and it is how this whole thing goes down, you know. Like, uh, uh, I was at that Champions retreat. I just got up with the microphone. And I said, "Hey, we're doing the Boiling Point podcast. I want to speak to all of you." <laughs> and uh, Aaron is one of the first people. And as it turns out, he's he knows uh, Dan Martell as well, who is the current guest playing right now this week. So right. it's a small I world that, after yeah. all. Yeah, it's yeah. A small world. Yeah. Aaron, thanks so much, my friend, and uh, really looking forward to catching up again soon. Thanks, Aaron. No Talk problem. soon. Thanks, guys. Take care. Have a great day. You too. That was cool. Yeah, very cool. Well, and I'm and I, you know what? I want to check out that calculator um, because uh, you know I am curious about what what variables go into acquisition of a customer, right? And it, it that's a and that's a really interesting space to work in. And uh, 100%. and uh, and so you know and. You know, when we love what we do, the biggest challenge I think is is spreading the love, getting the word out there, and and, and attracting the right people and all that sort of thing. And so it's uh, it's right in terms of my wheelhouse in terms of interest. Yeah. Um. So, but that that whole idea of uh, and we didn't really get to it, like how do you actually price, you know, <laughs> like your service? Yeah. Um. But it's there somewhere, so I got to check it out. I'm so. laughing because we we got to go back to the one hour format. <laughs> I know, I know, it's so hard, and I feel like I'm cutting them off. I feel terrible. Sorry, Aaron, but you know this is the current format. Because uh, Greg Hemmings created this new format. The new for- well, because we're on campus radio, we got to keep it under thirty oh, minutes. That's right. yes. You know, come on, man, it's all good. So, um, I guess my my takeaway, I've got a million from that conversation, but really is uh, re re looking at and analyzing how much free work we we put into a project yeah. to earn the business. Right. So I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna put some thought into that. It's cost. It's acquisition of a client. Okay. And the last question is, so who dropped you guys? Vision, vision coaching. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay. <laughs> All right, and, buddy. And this is where I press stop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Greg. Good, good to be back with you, man. You know, I love you. <laughs>
Thanks for checking out this episode of Boiling Point. Remember to rate and subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Boiling Point Pod. To see more from Dave Vale, check out leadershipunleashed.ca or visioncoachinginc.com and on Twitter at Dave underscore Vale. And to catch up with Greg, visit hemmingshouse.com and at Greg Hemmings on Twitter. Thanks for listening and remember, keep that pot boiling. Hey listeners, I'm Christy. And I'm Melissa. And this is Buried Motives, where we dig deep into the details of some of the most gruesome dirtbag murderers. She said she enjoyed hurting things that can't fight back. And that is a disturbing view into the mind of a murderer in such a dirtbag. Yeah, that's not even strong enough words. This is totally a recipe for disaster and not to justify whatever is going to happen, but you can totally understand and see how this would be in the works. If you were only to look at what she did later on and not know any of that history, she would appear like off the wall crazy. Oh, 100% because we're not even close to getting to the end yet. But you can just see this pattern and all this kind of stuff developing in her, which is what we're here for. We're digging deep. Join us each Thursday as we unearth the dirt bags that live among us and the motives buried there. Hope you join us as we exhume the truth. <laughs>